good to be with you this morning. Grateful for the opportunity to bring the word to you this morning. And uh, John called me and asked me if I would take a topic that you guys were in a series on the one another's. I was actually struggling on what to bring because I was told I could bring whatever. And uh, it's always a struggle when an assembly does that. They say, well, bring whatever the Lord's laid in your heart. Well, the Lord's laid a lot of things in my heart, so I can't just always just narrow it down. So I was thankful. It was an answer to prayer for me. Uh, but when he told me that my topic was to admonish one another, he had a, that laugh right there. He, he laughed just like that. <laughs> but no, actually, I'm grateful uh, to be here this morning. Why don't we just uh, begin with a word of prayer? Uh, Father, this morning we uh, we come to you uh, humbly in our hearts, ask for your help. Uh, we ask for your help uh, that uh, you would uh, reach into our hearts and uh, show us the things and the truths that are written within your word. Uh, Lord, we recognize uh, again that we are feeble minded in many ways, and uh, the scriptures are a way to strengthen us spiritually and to uh, uh, make us more like your son. So, Lord, we would ask this morning that every heart that is here is ready to receive you and to receive the things of the truth. And so, Lord, I ask, Lord, for your help in delivering this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, my topic is to admonish one another, and it's taken from a verse in Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. It's interesting to uh, embark on this study uh, to what I did. I immediately just looked up admonish and what does it mean, and I went through the Greek and read every passage that there is where that word is used. And one of the things that I came away with is that we shouldn't look at this topic in a negative light. It's to admonish one another is a good and necessary thing. And I hope that we'll be able to see that as we go through the scriptures this morning. So in Romans chapter 15 and verse 14, it says this, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Now first, as you look at the word admonish, the, the strong says that this Greek word that is used here means to put into one's mind by caution or gentle reproof. To put into one's mind is to point something out to somebody. So they're living their life, whatever it is, whatever they're doing, and then you notice something that's amiss in their life, and you put it to their mind, or you, you point it out. Vines tells us that its use here in Romans is a verb, and it's used as an instruction of warning. Now, the difference between to teach and to admonish, I hope to be able to get to a little bit later, but teaching is chiefly the imparting of a positive truth while to admonish is to correct wrongs. And sometimes to do that, it calls for a warning. 
Sometimes when you admonish somebody, you need to do it gently, kindly, and that's all that is needed. But there might be other times, and we're going to look at some of those times, when you need to be a little bit more forceful. But not with anger. In other words, you need to be able to express the warning without getting up in somebody's face. You know what I mean? Now, this word for admonish, this Greek word, which I'm, I have trouble pronouncing English words, so I'm not even going to try and pronounce a Greek word, but this word is used eight times in the New Testament Scriptures. And every time it's used, it's by the Apostle Paul. And in fact, even in Acts, which we're going to go to, when Luke uses the word, he's using it in the context of Paul giving a speech. And so every time it's used, it's used by the Apostle Paul. Now we want to take a look at Romans chapter 15 and verse 14, sort of as our jump-off point uh, for the whole topic. What I like to do sometimes is I like to take a look at different versions of the Scriptures to see what they have to say. Most of them have the word admonish in them. But the ESV and the NIV both have, instead of admonish one another, it has to instruct one another. And while part of admonishing is instruction, I don't think that the word instruct has the force of the Greek word that is here. J.B. Phillips, in his translation, he translates the verse this way. He says, For myself, I feel certain that you, my brothers, have real Christian character and experience, and that you are capable of keeping each other on the right road. I want to read that again. For myself, I feel certain that you, my brothers, have real Christian character and experience, and that you are capable of keeping each other on the right road. You see, I think Phillips captures the goal of admonishment when he says, keeping each other on the right road. Because that's really the purpose of the admonishment, isn't it? The purpose is to, when you see something that is, that is amiss in somebody's life, and you come alongside them and you let them know what you see, the whole purpose that you have in mind is to bring them back onto that narrow path which we have been called to walk on. Certainly it includes instruction and certainly there are times of warning. But the whole idea is that sometimes we need to use a little bit of firmness get somebody back on track. Now, Paul here, by the Holy Spirit, is writing to a letter to Romans. And in this letter, he lays out the legal argument for salvation, and then he moves into what that salvation means in, in terms of sanctification. And in chapter 12, he brings out some very difficult, practical teaching in chapters 12, 13, and 14, when he takes a look at 
what a believer's life is supposed to look like as a result of the gospel message. And when he comes to chapter 15, he's drawing this letter to a close. And in verses 5 and 6 of chapter 15, it says this, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul wants to bring to mind to this assembly that you need to be growing in like-mindedness with one another and to have the mind of Christ as you gather together in His name for the purpose of glorifying His Son and the Heavenly Father. You see, that's the goal, isn't it? That's where we all want to be. So as we look at chapter, and then we come to verse 14, and this is, he says to my, he says, Now I myself am confident concerning you. What's he saying in that phrase? He's saying in that phrase, that I know you can do what is needed. He says, I'm confident concerning you. This really is, when he writes this, it's an exhortation. He's exhorting them. And exhorting is different than admonishing. I'm sure you probably have exhorting one another in the list somewhere. But to exhort somebody is to come alongside them, put your arm around them, and, and cheer them on. Say, I know you can do this. That's what exhortion is. And that's what he does here. He's saying, concerning you, I'm confident. I'm confident. Then he says, you are full of goodness. You see, the Roman assembly has demonstrated by the way they live their life, an uprightness of heart and of life, full of goodness and kindness and the things of the Lord. Now, Paul, he hasn't been to Rome as of this writing. But he knows a lot of people that are there. In chapter 16, he'll send, there's this whole long list of greetings that he wants to send to people. So he knows the reputation of this assembly. And he says, you're full of goodness. And then the next phrase, he says, you are filled with all knowledge. Filled with all knowledge. In other words, you have a good understanding of Christian doctrine and teaching. So the first part of the verse, Paul says, listen, I know you have all the tools that you need to live this life for God. Because you're full of goodness, and you have all the teaching, you have all the knowledge, you have all the tools at your disposal to do what you need to do. To glorify the Heavenly Father. And then he says, you're able to admonish one another. You see, he tells them that part of doing those things, he tells them that you have to give instructions of warning as they are needed. And so, he's confident that with their goodness and with their knowledge, they can admonish one another. So, I had to ask myself, of all the things that you could write by the Holy Spirit, why did you say, admonish one another? Why didn't you say, love one another? Why didn't you say, exhort one another? 
Why didn't you say, there's a lot of things that come to my mind. But he didn't say that. He said, admonish one another. So I thought about that. And then I thought of J.B. Phillips' translation, keeping each other on the right road. You see, the road that we're on is not an easy road. You know, if you come to know the Lord Jesus as your Savior and you seek to serve Him and to be faithful to Him, you're not going to have an easy life. So, this is not for the faint of heart. The world is against you in every way possible. Life as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is a life of continual conflict and battles. Not only with your own self, but from all the influence on the outside. And you need to be kept and helped along to be on the narrow road. And so Paul writes that you're able with these tools, to admonish one another. You're able to hold each other accountable in your spiritual lives. That's what he wants. Hold each other accountable. So, here's the first point I want to make in regards to this whole idea of admonishing one another. I think that as I have looked at this verse and others around it, that there needs to be a certain level of spiritual maturity in order to pull this off. Now, what does that mean? Am I saying that only the spiritually mature can do it? Am I saying that uh, that spiritually mature person People are not in need of admonishing. No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that both parties, the one who's doing the admonishing and the one who is being admonished, both parties need to keep in mind the goal, and that is to be of one mind in Christ. Both parties need to keep in mind the perspective that we are to live a life of godliness And that anything that interrupts that ought to be pointed out in our lives so that we can take care of it. This does not mean that the one doing the admonishing is necessarily more mature than the one who is receiving it. It doesn't mean that at all. All it means is that I, in my spiritual discernment, looked at you and your life and see something that needs to be corrected. Or vice versa. But you need to understand that we cannot allow ourselves to be puffed up if we're doing the admonishing, nor can we allow ourselves to be afraid of receiving that admonishment. Because it's meant for our good. There needs to be enough maturity on the, part of, on the part of both parties to practice admonishing to be done correctly. 
there needs to be the proper perspective, a right frame of mind. You can't allow yourself to be offended, and you can't allow yourself to get puffed up. Folks, I'm telling you that an assembly that is able to admonish one another is both mature and is maturing in the things of Christ. It shows growth, and it shows a desire to grow. That's what it is. Now, obviously the Lord Jesus is always the ultimate example of anything in the Scriptures. If you want to bring out a principle, you go to Him. But I kind of wanted to stray away from Him in this particular topic, uh, not because he, there aren't any good examples, because that there are. <laughs> but I, I just, you know, if the Lord Jesus is admonishing you, you better believe it, you need to be admonished, right? And what we want to talk about is admonishing one another. That's a far more difficult thing to do and to accept. But I did want to point out one thing that the Lord Jesus taught, and, and you're very familiar with this. In Matthew chapter 7, in fact, they preached on it here some time ago, the first part of Matthew 7. And I think in a roundabout way, it's, it applies. In Matthew 7, verses 1 to 5, it says, Judge not, this is the Lord Jesus speaking, He says, Judge not that you not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite! First remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. A lot of people look at this and they see that first verse, judge not that you be not judged. And people will take that and they go too far with it. The Christians are not supposed to judge. But we are. He goes on to explain how that's done. When looking at a brother's life or a sister's life, be careful how you judge them. Because that same standard is going to be used on you. Make sure, in verse 3, make sure you consider your own faults before you address the faults of somebody else. Listen, folks. Nobody has arrived. We're all struggling. We all have our issues. And what he's saying is, make sure you got them in check. Verse 4, be sure that the issue you are about to address in someone else's life is not an issue in your own life. You can't do that. And once you are certain that it is not an issue in your life, you are now able to help someone with the speck that is in his eye. You see, that's where the Lord Jesus gets to. He gets to the point to where you're going to be helping that brother remove the speck out of his eye. But he wants you to do it carefully. 
with thought, with some, I want to say introspecting, some inner, I told you I have a problem with the English language. But looking inward at your own heart. Where's it at? Are your motives good? Are they right? And that's kind of the principle that the Lord Jesus lays out. We need to keep that in mind as we take a look at this topic. Now Paul is a great example of admonishment and how to do it. And so in Acts chapter 20, go to Acts chapter 20. This is one of those times when you see the word, well, let's just read the verse. Acts chapter 20, we're going to read verse 31. This is Paul who is speaking, and he's speaking to the Ephesian elders. And he says, therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Now, now, Paul here is addressing the Ephesian elders, and he has told them previous to this verse that he has kept nothing back, that he has proclaimed to them the whole truth, everything that is needed to everyone and for everyone, and that he is innocent of their blood. That's an amazing statement to me. Innocent of their blood. He tells them to take heed to themselves and to the flock as he speaks to the elders. For he knows that false teachers will come in and seek to destroy the flock. And he reminds him that he has lived among them for three years. And he did not cease to warn them. Now when he's talking about warning them here, he's not talking about just the elders. He's talking about the assembly as a whole. That when he was teaching among them, he made sure that he taught everybody everything that was needed. The word to warn here, used by Paul, is the same Greek word translated in Romans as admonish. It's the same word. Now, there are some things to point out here. And I think this is a great outline for admonishment. First of all, he says that he does so Night and day, that he did not cease from warning. That's what he says. Admonishing is not an easy thing to do. There are risks involved in doing so. You don't know how it's going to be received. And so there's a risk of personal conflict. Nobody likes that. And yet, if you read through the Scriptures, you, you can't read the Scriptures without finding warnings all the time, throughout all of them, about guarding your heart, about being careful to make good decisions, to be diligent, to be wise. Most of Paul's epistles have some kind of admonishment in it. In fact, 
you know, 1 Corinthians is all about admonishing. That's that whole epistle. He is correcting wrongs in that assembly. And he's letting them have it with both barrels. Why? Because he loves them. He loves them. Admonishing is needed. And the Scriptures tell us that it's necessary in order for us to grow spiritually. So night and day he does so. No matter the time, it has to be done. And no doubt Paul had many a sleepless night. You know, when you've got an issue that's heavy on your heart and you want to address it, you can have a lot of sleepless nights. The verse says that he did so with tears. He warned them with tears. With tears. With tears. He did so with compassion. He did so with great concern. He did so with his whole heart. Our motivation when approaching someone with an issue is one of love and for concern for their well-being. It is wise to do so carefully and with empathy. We uh, at Wellspring are on the Beatitudes, and a couple weeks ago I did a sermon on blessed are those who mourn. There's a lot in that verse, blessed are those who mourn. You know, it's, it's not about having sympathy with somebody who's just lost a loved one. It's, it's not about that. You know what it's about? It's, it's taking a look and mourning the effects of sin and waywardness in your own life and in the life of those around you. Blessed are those who mourn. If you're not seeing the righteousness of God in your community, it should cause you to mourn. And so Paul says that I have done so with tears. He did so with great compassion and great concern. Finally, he says, he lived among them for three years. Folks, let me tell you something. In order for this to work, in order for you to be able to correctly admonish one another, you will need to know each other. Now, we're not talking about casual acquaintance. We're talking about down in the dirt, rubbing elbows, you know each other. The good, the bad, and the ugly. You can't just be a casual acquaintance and think that you have the credibility to walk up, some, up to somebody and say, hey, listen, I'm looking at something in your life and I don't think it's right. You're not going to be able to do that. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 4, Paul writes to the, to the Corinthians, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. And Paul sees them as his children. Corinthians, the, the church at Corinth was another church that he spent a lot of time at. 
He'd invested a lot of time in those people's lives. And he felt that he had the responsibility to warn them of the things that were wrong in their lives and in their spiritual lives. And he compared them as, I am the parent and you are the child. Now, I would never be so bold as to do that. But certainly Paul could do that. You've got to know each other. You've got to know each other. Now, there are two verses in, in, the Old, in the New Testament. There are two verses where teaching and admonishing are referenced in the same verse. And for the sake of time, we're only going to look at one of them, and that is Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. In fact, both verses are in the book of Colossians. And I think, I'm going to start at verse 24, and we'll go down to verse 28, which is our target verse. Verse 24, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to the saints, to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of his of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now again, the word for warning is the exact same Greek word used in Romans for admonish. And Paul is writing by the Holy Spirit and saying that I have been given a ministry and that in fulfilling this ministry he is to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. To do that, Paul says he must preach, warn, and teach. Preaching is to proclaim. In this verse, Paul says, I proclaim Christ. It is Christ that I have held up before you. And it is Christ that I preach to you. Then he has to do warning and teaching. And what's interesting to me is that they go hand in hand, but they are listed here separately. There is a distinction between the two of them. Teaching is to give instructions in matters of Christian doctrine. Admonishing is the practical side of that doctrine when somebody goes astray. It's always nice to have some kind of illustration. So, when we were, uh, when our kids were young, we did a lot of camping. And, uh, you know, kids love campfires. Right? They loved campfires. Well, adults do too. But one of the things they love about campfires is they get to cook marshmallows. Right? And you put a marshmallow on a stick and you teach your kid how to cook that marshmallow so that it doesn't catch on fire. Because what happens when it catches on fire? 
What are they going to do? Oh, yeah. That thing starts swinging everywhere. Right? And so there's this teaching part that says, listen, I don't want this thing to catch on fire. Keep it so far away, over here by the coals, not so much on the flame. Don't get it too close. Turn it. Get it to a nice golden brown. But if it catches on fire, I want you to bring it and blow on it. I don't want you to throw it away. I don't want you to do that. Someone's going to get hurt. Well, they're kids. So what's the first thing they do? Next thing you know, it's flying. It hits somebody. Something burns. You know what I'm talking about. Teaching and admonishing. I taught them what to do. They didn't do it. Now I need to admonish. Hey! Don't do that. Do you understand the difference? Teaching and admonishing. In this verse, he says that he admonishes in all wisdom. Now, folks, wisdom is needed in this particular, to carry out this particular command. Wisdom is needed. Wisdom in spiritual matters, especially for teaching and admonishing others. Wisdom that comes from the Scriptures. Wisdom that comes from prayer. Wisdom that comes from seeking advice. Wisdom. And then in this verse, he says that the goal is that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. There it is again, isn't it? The goal is the same. To keep him on the road. To bring glory to the Lord. To make every man perfect in Christ Jesus. The aim is to bring perfection. The perfection of Christ in somebody's life. We're not trying to hurt someone. We're not trying to bring somebody down. We're not trying to puff ourselves up. We Our goal is to bring somebody to a point of perfection in Christ. That's what we want. Keep that in mind. So those are some some things about admonishment and why it's important, how it should be done in the way it should be done. But the question now is, when should it be done? When do you do it? When do you don't do it? This is where wisdom comes in. Because it's not always easy sometimes to decide on when the right time is. Admonishing, I believe, comes with prayer and careful consideration And there needs to be the right time. Sometimes it's quite evident. Sometimes it's it's something that needs to be taken care of immediately. And you'll know that when that happens. But there are other times where you're watching a pattern in somebody's life, maybe a pattern of decisions that they've made, that they're sending them down the wrong path. And and you need to come up to them, and and they, they need some admonishment. That's when you need wisdom. Let's go to Second Thessalonians chapter three. Now 
Now, the problem is, again, I have, this is another one of those sermons where I had more than I could ever begin to possibly give. And so, we're not going to spend an incredible amount of time on all the admonishments in the New Testament. And we're not going to spend too much time unpacking this particular verse. But I do want you to see it for one reason. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. And we're going to go down to verse 15. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the, to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, that we were not disorderly among you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you ought to follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we fear, for we hear, that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ, that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, Do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with them that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now Paul is addressing a specific issue in the Thessalonian church. There is an error concerning the day of the Lord, an error in the teaching that has arrived in there. And some in the assembly are not working and they are not providing for their own needs, but rather they are requiring that others within the assembly provide for them. And they have become busybodies and they are disrupting the order of the assembly as a whole. And Paul here, again, gives the same warning, not just in this letter, but he had given the same warning warning earlier in the first letter to the Thessalonians. And apparently, either the Thessalonians did not listen or it had not really uh, bore any fruit. But he gives this warning again, only this time he goes a step further and he makes it a little stronger. It's more than just admonishing somebody, but he actually goes to the point where he says, listen, I want you to make note of somebody who is doing this and I want you to not keep company with that person. Now, some will think that that's put out of fellowship, but I don't think that that's what that is. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, if you know that chapter, <clears throat> that's where the assembly is told to put the sinning brother out of your fellowship. Why? Because that is a brother who is in open sin. And he's in the assembly. And they're being told, you've got to get rid of that. 
until he repents. And if he repents, then you bring him back in. But in this particular case, I think it is that stop enabling this guy. Stop enabling them. Don't invite him over for dinner. Don't be socializing with this guy. Don't be encouraging this behavior. That's what he's trying to say here. At least that's my sense of it. Do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. And once again, the goal is to bring repentance and to restore. But Paul says, do not count him as an enemy. He's not an enemy. This is a brother in the Lord who's gone astray. He's got some wrong teaching in his head. And it needs to be corrected. And Paul says, admonish him as a brother. That's with love, with concern but with firmness. So why do I point this out? Because it's in this particular passage that Paul writes by the Holy Spirit, if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle. So, when do we use admonishment? Well, when someone is doing something that does not align with the Scriptures. The Scriptures are always our guide. And when there's some kind of wrong thinking, when there's some kind of wrong perspective, when there's some kind of wrong behavior, whatever that is, you'll need to define it, you'll know when it comes up, but if it does not align with the Word of God, then you need to start praying about that. And you need to decide whether this is a brother or a sister who may need admonishment. Now, maybe sometimes it's as simple as, hey, let's think about this verse right here and, and how, does, how do you measure up? Uh, praise the Lord if it's that simple. Praise the Lord if that's all that's needed. And they look at that and say, oh, wow, I, I just didn't realize. Let's hope that's all it is. But sometimes it needs to go as far as what Paul is saying here. These people are not getting it. And they need to be pushed to the point of becoming ashamed of their behavior. Folks, I can't express to you how serious this is. And what Paul is saying here. Because we're talking about eternal truths here. We're not talking about what's, what we're going to accomplish on this life. We're talking about eternity. I saw, uh, I saw a video, a YouTube video, of brother giving a sermon, and he wanted to, I don't, maybe you've seen it, I don't know, but he wanted to sort of impress upon the congregation what eternity is. And he brought up onto the stage a white rope. And it was a long rope. In fact, he, as he's walking up there, you can see it's, 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 you can't see the end of it. It's, it's out of sight. And at the end of the rope, the rope that he was holding on to, there was about this much of it that was painted red. And he said, this represents the life, your timeline. You are an eternal being. And this white rope, that's eternity. 
And your life is right here. And you spend all your time worrying about what's happening in this little three inches of this rope. We're talking about perfecting souls for Christ for eternity. To glorify God. To be a testimony to the community. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the gospel. Our lives are the gospel of Christ. Lived out. It proclaims Him. If it doesn't, there's a problem. And so as we live our lives, if there's an area, if there's an issue in my life that would bring any, any stain on the name of the Lord Jesus, I would want to be told about that. I would want to know. Wouldn't you? To admonish one another is a needed and necessary thing. I have one more verse that I want to look at. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9 says this. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Let love be without hypocrisy. (laughs) There are some verses uh, that always, uh, as I meditate on it and pound it in my head and roll over, They are extremely challenging. And this is one of those verses. Because this is is more than just love. This is, you know, love that is genuine. Yes. Love that is sincere. Yes. Love that is unmasked. A genuine concern for those around you. A desire to see Christ perfected in others' lives. And you will do so with truth and with love. If you love somebody, if you sincerely, genuinely love that person, then you will speak to them when they're heading off the road. And if you are the one who is receiving the admonishment in the love that it is meant, then you will receive it as it is meant, as a desire to see you Grow in Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we humbly again come before you at the end of our time, recognizing the seriousness of the topic that we're talking about. And recognizing that This is not an easy thing to do, but that you in your scriptures have commanded us to do. That we are to admonish one another. 
Lord, may we do so without hypocrisy, with love in our hearts, with a genuine concern and a sincere desire to see the gospel of Jesus Christ perfected in the lives of our brothers and sisters around us, that we as an assembly might be a brighter light for the gospel of Christ. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus. I thank you for his willingness to go to the cross. I am so grateful that he did not stay in that grave. And that life for us, our life of hope, is in him. I pray, Heavenly Father, that as an assembly we would seek the things that are above. That we would live our life for eternal purposes and not for the temporary gains of this life. Help us in these things. Help us to be good stewards of the truth that you have given to us this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.